بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد This particular aphorism and wisdom of Sheikh Ibn Ata'illah it's extremely important for this constant challenge of trying to do dhikr with concentration. This is obviously something which every Salik faces, regardless of which tariqa we're in, whether you're doing dhikr aloud or silently, standing up and doing it, or sitting down and doing it. The way to connect your mind and heart, that's a challenge, because we're not used to doing that so often. We don't meditate, generally children don't meditate. And then we're so distracted by things. So he has some really good advice here. He says, لا تترك الذكر لعدم حضورك مع الله فيه لأن غفلتك عن وجود ذكره أشد من غفلتك في وجود ذكره فعسى أن يرفعك من ذكر مع وجود غفلة إلى ذكر مع وجود يقظة ومن ذكر مع وجود يقظة إلى ذكر مع وجود حضور ومن ذكر مع وجود حضور إلى ذكر مع وجود غيبة عما سوى المذكور وما ذلك على الله بعزيز So this is the translation Do not abandon the invocation an invocation here refers to just remembrance in general, whatever type of remembrance you're doing, whether that's muraqaba or any other tasbih or anything else of that nature. He says, do not abandon the invocation because you do not feel the presence of God therein. You don't feel in the presence of Allah. But don't abandon the dhikr because of that. Because for your forgetfulness of the invocation of him is worse than your forgetfulness in the invocation of him. Your forgetfulness of the invocation totally and not doing it is worse than your forgetfulness in the invocation of him. It's a lower form of it. at least one aspect of our, uh, us is still doing dhikr. Perhaps he will take you from an invocation with forgetfulness to one with vigilance. And from one with vigilance to one with the presence of God. We didn't even know that middle stage existed. But basically that's how it starts. You do invocation first, then you have vigilance in your invocation. And vigilance means you're awake to the fact that you're doing dhikr and you're doing dhikr. So there's a wakefulness in your dhikr. It's a, there's a connection. You're not still in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That requires permission into the entry of the court of Allah. Which is only done after somebody really shows their persistence. And shows their true interest. He will take you from an invocation with forgetfulness to one with vigilance. And then from one with vigilance to one with the presence of Allah. And then from one with the presence of Allah to one wherein everything but the invoked is absent, then it will be full immersion. That is full fana fillah. <clears throat> and then just to prove it, he says, and that is not difficult for Allah. This is not a big matter for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to 
provide for us. وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزِ He uses a verse of the Qur'an in that regard. Many people complain of a lack of concentration in their invocations and the incidence of stray thoughts. Wasawis, waswasa. Lots of people complain about that. Some even abandon invocation on account of this. This is exactly what shaitan wants one to do. The shaykh therefore advises that such people, uh, such people that one should not abandon invocation because of lack of concentration. The lack of concentration is only one calamity. The lack of invocation is only one calamity, but at least the existence of invocation is with one, even though it is accompanied by forgetfulness. What he means by forgetfulness here is that your heart is not present. You're forgetting Allah, you're doing something else with your mind, even though you're, you're in, I mean, in the case of muraqaba, your, your mind is saying it. And eventually, you get used to sometimes saying it and thinking about something else. So that's one of the other stages in this particular path anyway. Yet in the event of abandoning invocation altogether, it will not be simply invocation without concentration, but the loss of invocation itself. This state of abandoning invocation is therefore extremely grave. Invocation with forgetfulness is far superior to the total abandonment of invocation. That's why you can sit there for half an hour, one hour, you're doing muraqabah and you're thinking, I'm not getting my devotion. You're still spending it for Allah. Should we stop our prayers because we have no concentration? At least there's a surah, there's, there's a, there is a semblance, there's an outer form, there is a connection to some level of that our tongue is at least saying it, even though it's, so at least some aspect, we're still connected in a sense, there's still a, a line. And that is far superior to not doing dhikr. There's a big difference between those two. So alhamdulillah, sitting for half an hour, one hour, even if it's not with the full concentration, is still for Allah. You know, you, people give you feedback. I don't see the benefit. You know, I wonder if there's any benefit in doing this, just sitting around, sleeping, you know, because sometimes we fall asleep in muraqabah, especially if you're doing it in the morning. It's completely fine. That sleep is also beneficial. As long as you're not trying to do that all the time, that I want my dhikr to be carried in my sleep. It's easier. I get my sleep as well done, you know. Although there are some people who'll say that I'd, you know, the few hours I'd like to sleep at night, I'd like to sleep in muraqabah, then that's fine. As long as your muraqabah is muraqabah and then you, you want to turn your sleep into muraqabah, so it's fine. But don't turn your muraqabah into sleep. You can turn your sleep into muraqabah, but not muraqabah into sleep. Because it's still in a state. By going to sleep, by reading the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, certain duas, you wake up with great, uh, you, you, you have great benefits while you're, while you're in your sleep. So it's the final state which is, really does matter. As long as that doesn't become the habit only, there is zikr happening and sometimes this happens like this. In the state of invocation with a heart that is negligent, in the state of invocation with a heart that is negligent, at least the tongue is involved with invocation. However, in contrast to the state where both tongue and heart are inert. However, in contrast to the state where both tongue and heart are inert, having abandoned the invocation of Allah Most High, even mere verbal invocation is a valuable treasure. 
providing encouragement, the Shaykh Rahimahullah further adds that it is quite possible that Allah Most High may improve the quality of one's invocation. The initial invocation without concentration can progress to the stage where concentration will be achieved and stay and stay, uh, stray thoughts cease. It will then be the invocation of wakefulness and concentration. We have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. It will then be the invocation of wakefulness and concentration. But you have to ask Allah for it. That's a gift. From our side, we have to just sit. That's the Shaykh always says. From our side, we just have to sit. Just sit and do the stuff. It's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to then see us and then give the gift of concentration to us. Because that can only come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We just have to try our best. In this stage of invocation, the heart will not drift towards the stray thoughts of the ego anymore. The verbal invocation at this time will keep the heart alert. And one will then taste pleasure in his every in this very invocation. The progress will then continue to the stage where the spiritual presence of the heart accompanies the invocation. So not only will you concentrate, but you'll also have a spiritual presence now. This is the achievement of the heart's attention to the verbal invocation. So there's a stage where one is you concentrate logically, rationally but not spiritually. So you get concentration, so you know you're saying Allah for, for Allah, Allah, Allah. You know you're saying, it's not like Allah and your mind is somewhere else. The second stage is that you are saying Allah, Allah, and logically you know you're saying it, and you are concentrating on the words. But there's no connection yet. Do you understand? There's no spiritual connection. That hasn't kicked in, so that's another level. You may feel that sometimes, you may open up sometimes. Until it doesn't open fully, that's why we continue to do this. And I generally say that if you're going to do your dhikr about an hour a day, for about three months, you'll probably get it. But if you, if you end up doing dhikr for about an hour a day, within three months, you should be able to open up. That's how it long, long it probably takes to just dig the dirt out. It may take more or less, but if you do it diligently, you'll definitely have to open up. Generally speaking, sometimes there are barriers of other things that may provide a barrier, certain sins that are being committed. I mean, this is not a zero-sum game. It's not a very accurate game. Do you understand? It's not like you do this and it will happen. Because there are other factors. Of course, it assumes that sins, because sins provide another kind of a... Um, it just takes away the power. So when you say one hour for three months... That's assuming that we're avoiding many of the sins and so on. So then he says, the progress will then continue to the stage where the spiritual presence of the heart accompanies the invocation. This is the achievement of the heart's attention to the verbal invocation. In a state of spiritual presence, invocation becomes the attribute of the heart. The heart becomes second nature for the heart to do that. The heart becomes a dhakir heart. It's not the person, it's the heart now is a dhakir heart. Just as seeing is the attribute of the eyes. You open the eyes and you see. As long as there's light. As long as it's not dark. And you have to open your eyes. The heart as well. It will become an attribute of it. Thus invocation becomes the permanent attribute of the heart. However, in this latter stage the heart does perceive itself to be in possession of the attribute of invocation. 
Here the spiritual tra traveller is conscious of his invocation being with concentration. Perception of even such a presence is a kind of forgetfulness. Now this is getting really deep, but this is saying that if you realize that your heart, if you perceive that your heart is in possession of the attribute of in concentration, then that is still not the final stage. That is still a sidetracking issue because there's still dunya involved in that, which is ourselves. So he says, because perception of even such a presence is a kind of forgetfulness it should be totally immersed in Allah there should be no thing that whether I am it's Allah only then do you understand not that oh I have got concentration now we'd like to get to that stage first but that stage is not the ultimate stage because the perception itself is an object besides Allah hence there is even a higher stage of invocation where this inner perception of concentration perishes and is assigned to the realm of oblivion. Oblivion. It enters the domain of other deities that are negated in the invocation of the one true Allah. That's also another deity. That's also another object of worship which we don't need. At such a juncture, uh, everything else is annihilated. You know, you keep hearing this fana. Um, there's a concept called fana, which is annihilation. And that is what is annihilation. It's basically that we connect so well to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that everything else just becomes nothing. In other words, invocation predominates one to such an extent that the servant's entire being is permeated by the invocation of Allah. You, you feel that you're doing dhikr with your entire body. That's why in the Shaykh's Dua he constantly says, Oh Allah, allow your dhikr to emanate from every pore of our body. And basically he's talking about the, the high levels of dhikr where you totally become immersed. Then nothing distracts you. That, that, that's the Sahaba's Salat. Where they were able to pray in such a way that their full experience was of dhikr. When you have your full experience of dhikr, then if something happens to your body, you probably won't even feel it. That's probably how the Sahabi stood up and then had an arrow hit him and he carried on praying and then he had another arrow hit him and he carried on praying and another arrow hit him and only then did he decide to wake up his partner because he felt that now they're going to think that uh, there's nobody guarding these people so he says for the safety of the muslimin somebody asked him how why he says what i was doing was much more you know than the pain that may have been caused so this is probably that level we're speaking about. The Sahaba used to just get it by being with the Prophet and just doing things in his company because the Prophet's outpouring was just so powerful. We have to work hard to get to this level, but we mustn't think that it's beyond us because It's not difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give it to everybody. If someone expresses amazement, thinking that such a lofty stage is unattainable, the Shaykh Rahimahullah provides the answer for this doubt. He says that the attainment of this stage will be impossible by one's own efforts. This spiritual station is the consequence of Allah's bounty. 
It is not difficult for him to bestow his bounty to anyone. Therefore, never despair. So you have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. These aphorisms are just very powerful. They clearly mark the path and tell us the stages so that things become less muddy, become a bit more clear than you. When you know the path, then, okay, I, I understand this. Now, inshallah, when we do dhikr, it's going to become that much more easier that, look, my job is just to keep doing it. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the concentration and for these higher stages. So just doing dhikr on its own is a, a bigger accomplishment on its own and an achievement. <coughs> In the next aphorism he says, although in his original order, the, the one I just read is number 47, and the next one is 256. If you look at Ibn Ata'illah's original order and sequence, it doesn't seem to make much sense. They seem to be haphazardly placed. But obviously the author must have something in mind. And what some Shadhilis have told me, because uh, Ibn Ata'illah himself was a Shadhili, the commentary I'm reading, that's from a Chishti Shaykh. But he said, the, the, he said that basically there is a special routine even in his original sequence. And when similar themes are dealt with over and over again, it's like a reminder as opposed to putting everything together. But what Ali al-Muttaqi did was he took all the 260-something aphorisms and put them together in chapters. With a heading, so I'm reading right now the chapter on invocation, the dhikr. Okay, so then the next one he says, "Akramaka bi karamatin thalathin." Akramaka bi karamatin thalathin, jaalaka thakiran lahu, walaula fadluhu lam takun ahlan li jarayani dhikrihi alaik. That was one. Wajaalaka madkuran bihi idh hakka nisbatahu ladaik. وَجَعَلَكَ مَذْكُورًا عِنْدَهُ فَتَمَّمَ نِعْمَتَهُ عَلَيْكَ Something like this only a master can say. He says, He ennobled you with three charismatic gifts. He made you an invoker of him. He allowed you to remember him. He made you a dhakir. And had it not been for his grace, you would not have been worthy of the flow of the invocation of him in you. He made you remembered by him. So the second point is, he made you remembered by him since he confirmed his relationship to you. So the second stage is that he remembers us. Because the hadith is very clear about that. If, Allah, if you remember Allah, he will remember you. And he mentions that. Number three, he made you remembered by those with him. you remember Allah, He will remember you in a gathering better than yours, thereby perfecting His grace upon you. I'm not explaining it too much because I'm leaving it to the commentary. The words of the Shaykh are much more powerful, Shaykh Abdullah Al-Gangohi, who, who did the commentary here. Here the Shaykh Rahimahullah is addressing the obedient person of invocation. He says that Allah Most High has confirmed three honors upon such a person. These honors collectively constitute a limitless treasure of goodness and excellence for one and 
are from the immense mercy of Allah. The very first of these honors is that he has enabled one to invoke him, to do dhikr of him. Hence one is able to engross oneself in his invocation with his tongue, limbs and heart. This applies to all the tariqahs, uh, even the Naqshbandi tariqah which is probably the most silent of all tariqahs. Because at the end of the day, even Naqshbandis, they do loud dhikr. Which is when you read subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, you're doing something with your tongue. It's not loud necessarily. In your salat, this is all dhikr at the end of the day. It's not the formal regimen of dhikr, but it's still dhikr. It's, it's still there. So all of this applies. If not for Allah's bounty, the tongue, the heart and the limbs would never have been able to render the invocation of the ruler of rulers. One would not have been qualified through one's own efforts to worship the king of kings. So it's about focusing on the majesty of Allah. What kind of a that, an entity are we worshipping? And the fact that we can even worship him when the majority of the world does not, that in itself is such a massive deal. So to be able to sit for even five minutes and do dhikr is subhanallah. Because deficiency, inertia and indolence are inherent in one's nature. So it's very difficult to do that dhikr. It is through nothing other than his mercy and grace that whilst keeping millions of his creation in forgetfulness, he applied you to his invocation. So that 10 minutes of dhikr that we are stumbling around in suddenly becomes very valuable, doesn't it? The second honor is that he himself remembers such a person. Allah says in the Quran, Remember me and I shall remember you. فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ What greater honor can there be than that than the servant constituted of a handful of dust being remembered by the true king, the lord of all lords, the sovereign of all creation? In this state people regard one as a saint of Allah. In this state people regard one as a saint of Allah and as a chosen one of Allah. Indeed, this is a very high honor to be bestowed upon a person. This is automatic when, a, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start remembering a person and people will start remembering a person because when Allah remembers a person, He means He loves him. When He loves him, He tells Jibreel, the angels start loving him and then the world starts loving him. So then they start thinking well of that person. Indeed, this is a very high, high honor to be bestowed upon a person. In this day and age, if some puny worldly king, ruler, confers a title on a man, he becomes bloated with happiness, his pleasures boundless, been given the OBE, the knighthood, this, that and the other. Now imagine the high state of the honor conferred as one, on one when the true and eternal king proclaims one to be his friend. The third honor is highlighted in a hadith where the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah said, whoever remembers me in his heart, I too remember him in my heart. Whoever remembers me in a gathering, the hadith actually says, whoever remembers me in themselves, I remember, I remember him in myself. But in my heart it's just fi nafsi, that's what the word is in Arabic. But nafs and heart is a better rendering in a sense. I too remember him in my heart, and whoever remembers me in a gathering, I remember him in a gathering which is nobler than his gathering, the gathering of the angels. This in itself just proves that one is dhikr yourself. 
and the other one dhikr with others. Because there's a special fadila for it. So doing dhikr in a majlis has its own benefits. I think that's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. Inshallah, our dhikr now becomes more valuable. That that in itself is so many people. This is generally the biggest complaint that comes back or the biggest issue. Can't concentrate. Can't see the benefit. Can't concentrate. 15 minutes, stray thoughts, this, that and the other. Some days are better than others. Just being able to sit is, requires a lot of diligence. And it's for Allah. So niyyah is there for that. In fact, during the battle of Uhud, after the Muslims suffered that step back halfway through, if you remember, they were in a bit of a disarray and chaos. It says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, in the Quran, so, this feeling of tranquility, this feeling of slumber overcame them, which helped them to come out of this state of chaos and disarray. A sense of tranquility. Constantly in the Quran, the word of Sakina, there's about five or seven places that it's used in the Quran that Allah caused Sakina to descend, which give them strength again. So when you sleep, sometimes you fall into a slumber during, but you still feel, you still feel, sometimes in, in Muraqabah you fall into a sleep, a slumber kind of thing, but you're not fully asleep, you don't, you, you don't go to sleep. You're still kind of there. When you wake up, you kind of carry on. Do you understand? So it's this kind of strange slumber. It's not like full. You go to sleep and you're knocked out. You're gone. It's not like that. It's kind of a semi-sleep that you fall into. It just makes it easier for you to carry on your dhikr there. Because you wake, uh, you know, when you come back too, you're still doing dhikr. So it's all part of your dhikr. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam jalali wal ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جز الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم oh Allah accept our du'as oh Allah, oh Allah accept us for your remembrance oh Allah accept us for your remembrance O oh Allah, grant us concentration and wakefulness in our remembrance, in our invocation. O oh Allah, grant us your presence. O oh Allah, allow every part of our body to remember you. Allow your dhikr to emanate from every pore of our body. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you make our hearts the way you would want them. You remove from there anything that you, dis you dislike. O oh Allah, make your obedience beloved in our heart. O oh Allah, make your disobedience hated in our hearts. O oh Allah, make our surroundings conducive for us. O oh Allah, remove the pollution that surrounds our hearts. Remove the pollution from our affairs. Remove, remove the attraction of everything but you from around us. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you give us single-minded concentration on pleasing you. You make our worldly affairs easy for us and conducive for us to remember you wherever we are. 
Allah make our studies easy for us, grant us the righteous intentions, grant our, make our work easy for us and blessed for us. Oh Allah, make our lives easy and blessed for us. Make our children and our families a source of blessing, a source of gladness to our eyes for us. Oh Allah, grant us shifa and cure from all sicknesses, all illnesses. Oh Allah, remove our spiritual illnesses. Remove our spiritual illnesses. Remove our spiritual illnesses. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Accept us all for the service of your deen. Accept us all for the service of your deen. Write us to be from your awliya. Write us to be from your close ones, your intimate ones, those who enjoy your special attention, your special mercy. Oh Allah, grant us the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. Oh Allah, grant us the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. And give us the tawfiq to remove ourselves from all unworthy acts in this world. All unworthy acts that we've become so used to doing. So used to doing we find it so difficult to remove them from us. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove them from us. Emancipate us from our sins. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the best day, the day that we stand in front of you. Grant us the company of your Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And grant him a reward on behalf of this entire Ummah. Oh Allah, accept our dua. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.